Okay, we're holding the Kuzari. Uh, in this print is page Lamed Gimel. And let's just go back because, again, the Kuzari, when he talks late, everyone has to keep in mind where he's holding and what he's trying to say. So, again, the king had told him that, in a way, he understands the position of the philosophers better. And let's just reword. And Aaron, the point that the Kuzari made, where the Shem will go about it from there, and what he says is like this, he says, if you're going to accept the starting point of the philosophers, which is that there's no barrier, there's no creator, the older Adam is the Kadman, then we have to see a natural progression from one thing to the other. In other words, things, again, this axiom is things can't create themselves. And therefore, we're not going to assume for the possibility of a creator, and the only, only other alternative is that somehow the world was and developed on its own, so to speak, which means that things have to have a natural progression from stage to stage. And this is really the same question that Rabbi Levi, uh, 700 years ago, asked on the philosophers, is one of our primary arguments against evolution. And obviously, Rabbi Levi never knew about such a thing. It was a much more recent invent, uh, inve- invention. But uh, the principle, the question of the principle is the same. And that is, if a person wants to, uh, so to speak, uh, claim it is a system which undoes the need for a boyring of a creator, one has to see a natural progression of how things happen. And uh, then if that's the case, then one doesn't manage to find a, a logical sequence of how one thing became another thing. In other words, if you're going to talk about the base elements, which the Kuzari talks about, as being fire, air, water, and earth, so now how does fire, air, water, and earth become a plant? Uh, there isn't physical fire in the plant. There isn't physical uh, air in the plant. So you're talking about your starting elements, your base elements, and somehow they're going to develop and change into a plant, and into an animal, and into a person. And how does that happen? And uh, there isn't a logical sequence that we can see how one thing brings to the other one, which like, I'm just saying again. He was talking about philosophy. It's exactly the same argument we have with evolution. And that is, if you're going to say things were a natural progression from stage to stage, well, how did, how did that naturally happen? How did a, a crustacean, an insect, become a fish, become a bird, become a mammal? There just isn't, there isn't the connection points with how one thing changes to the other one. I mean, you can say logically it doesn't make sense, scientifically it doesn't make sense. Historically, we've never seen anything like that. And therefore, the, we don't have a way of how if everything would have been beginning from the same four elements, how the, things would have developed differently. And that's what the Kuzari says in his words. He says, you don't see air, fire, water, earth in everything else. It's not the same. It isn't a combination of those four elements in any way. You can't combine them to create it. You can't separate them to go back to those four elements. And therefore, we're talking about the certain kaychas, but it's not the elements. It's not like there's an amount of fire in something, an amount of air in something. And that's okay, and obviously it can't be a physical progression. That somehow there was an ev- a process from that things progressed from a stage of being the raw elements to becoming a compound of plants, animal, whatever it might be. Exactly the same argument you have against evolution. If things began as the evolutionists want to claim, as just a mass of proteins or amino acids, whatever one wants to call it, so we don't have a mahalach. How did that develop into something else? How did it happen? We, we don't see any progression, we don't see any possible or explanation how that would have happened. 
So what do we mean when we say that everything is made? And therefore, we're going to start with you in a second. And the answer that the, the scientists who believe in evolution will always tell you is, we also can't explain it, but it happened. Is not an answer to anything. That's not why it happens. If, you, if yes, we know it happened, but not because of the reason they're giving. And so, what's the real answer? So that's what we're holding by in the Kazari. And he says, And again, Namad Gimel, the fourth line down, the way we understand things, in the Akel, Bara, Ha'ilum, Kamashu, Akadish Mokha created the world the way it is. So, he didn't have to fuse physical fire and water and mix them together and, and make a plant out of them. He created plants. When we're talking about the Arabi, you said this, you said before, we're talking about properties, not physical things. And therefore there's a physical, there's an element of its heat, there's an element of its, of its dryness, its wetness, its ability to do things, which we call its energy, which we refer to as the four Yusaydis in that thing. But it's not a physical thing that has actual fine water in it. And and therefore the way that the the, the animals, or the plants that are broken made, how they look what they like. It doesn't need an emsoy to put them together, which means to, to, to start with four elements and somehow fashion them into something else. We know how Tanishwarku could make things what he wanted to. So we're not talking about four physical things which Hashem, uh, so to speak, tweaked to make something else. We're talking about four kaikas which Hashem uh, uh, started the Bria with. But then however Hashem wants to make something, he'll make that thing as it is. So Hashem will make a tree as a tree, Hashem will make a bird as a bird, Hashem will make a fish as a fish, and the bird was always a bird, and the fish was always a fish, and the animals are always an animal. And we don't have to try and explain how birds turned into fish, or how fish turned into birds, and then they never did. The fish started as fish, the bird started as bird, the animal started as animal. How is that possible? It's very simple, Hashem made them. It, it, it takes for any other question. And that if you already understand that the answer to fossils also in the fossils are never a question because what, the, what are the proof of fossils? The proof of fossils is that there were things that lived thousands of years ago. That's true. They were. They claim that there were millions of years ago. No, the age of the universe. Um, so, the, the argument they always get, and that is that based on the way that they date the system, carbon dating, whatever carbon dating or ice age dating or whatever other uh, ways of dating things, so. The world existed much longer than the 6,000 years that the Torah claims that it did. Now, there's a very simple answer to that. We've spoken about it before. We've right, spoken about it before, and we'll say this is the basic point again. And that is, the, 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 the question isn't a question, because starting from the position that things have to begin from zero, and then, the, and then they, they develop from there. And if that's the case, and when we, we're going back to this equal zero, and from there we're going to have to work at how long does it take to get to the stage we see it today. But it doesn't take into account the fact that Hashem created it. Uh, it's, uh, uh, and therefore, uh, if we let's say, we would be standing on the example we give, we would be standing on the third day of the creation. And Hashem had just said, And there it is. Hashem said it. And you see trees. And now your scientist looks around and says, Wow, this planet's been around for a long time. Why? Because I see trees. Trees don't grow overnight. A big tree can take 50, 70, 80, 100 years to grow. So obviously the world's been around 100 years. Why? Because you're assuming it started from a seed. And you planted the seed, so it takes a long time for the tree to develop. And that's not the way Hashem created it. Hashem created the tree. And if that's the case, the assumption that you're seeing time going back to the starting point, the way you see a starting point, doesn't work. Because Hashem didn't create things from the starting point. 
Hashem created things in their finished form. And it's the same thing. They look at the, one of the ways to try and tell how old the world is, is the distance of the galaxies, the distance of the cosmos. And they try and look at all the matters in one place concentrated, and therefore how did it take to get to the millions of light years the way it is now, based on the speed that it's traveling. So we can work out millions of years, because look how far away it is. And that's also a mistake. Hashem didn't create everything as matter right here. Hashem created the stars as stars. They started off over there. And therefore it's not that we have to work out from a hypothetical starting point that everything was a seed and everything was in one place and nothing had developed and from that point how did it take to get to where we got to? But the Spirit created things the way He wanted them to be. And therefore He created the stars where the stars are and He created the world with all the trees already grown and Adam Arisha came onto the scene as an adult, not as a baby. So you see Adam Arisha the day He was created you think, wow, He's been around for years, He looks like an adult already. No, He's been around a few minutes. Hashem created Him as an adult. Once you start with the point of creation, you don't have to go the route of how things would have developed scientifically, because they didn't. They began the way Hashem created them. And therefore all the, all the, the dating that they want to work backwards to the hypothetical point that must have started back, all doesn't make sense. It never went that way. Hashem created it the way it was, and we don't have to try and imagine had things not been that way, had they started from zero, how long would it to get to where they are? Setting by ice. You want to date the ice. Which means it's starting there's no ice. And how does it take to build up so much ice? The ice in the, pole, in the South Pole, for example. And then again, Hashem created it like that. The ice was always there. We don't have to try and work out how long it would have taken for it to build up. Because it didn't build up. That's the way it began. And why, why did Hashem create things in their finished form? It's like Moran Chodin. Everything Hashem created in the Masa He created it in its perfect form. Which means He didn't have to cause it to develop and grow and, and uh, mature to get to that stage. He created it fully functional. That's where it's meant to be. It's only as a later process that HaKadosh Baruch Hu created things that it takes them time to develop. But Be'atim in the original Bria, things began as, as in the most perfect form. And that's why he says, once you come to the fact that the Dastar is that there's a, a boy ray, it takes to all the questions. We don't have to try and see how things developed into each other. We don't have to try and work out a timeline. We don't have to try and work out what the style of Shavi between everything is and how the same elements could do different things because when you have the, when, when it's coming from the point of Hashem Creator then Hashem Creator things a little differently He creates them what He wants and therefore He says when you believe when a person admits the Chiddush the, the fact that the world is created by Hashem then you answer all the questions you fix up all the difficulties why? because you because all we have to say is the world wasn't. And then Hashem created it, and the way He created it, that's the way it is. And so there's no questions. We don't have to try and work out the system of how it happened. Hashem created it the way it is. It's very simple. And therefore, you don't have to try and analyze how did physical things come into being. Which is something that science doesn't even attempt to answer. And that is, if there's something, a life force, how does it connect to a body? How does it detach from a body? Uh, the, the answer is, Ritzayi Hashem, he blows it in, Ritzayi Hashem takes it out, and thanks for the question, which is really a question which there isn't any other answer to. Just like we can accept what it says in the Torah, that Hashem created the Shemayim, and there's water around the Shemayim, there's a Mayim Elyonim. Um, which even other Yamazet, science denies. Science claims there's no water in space. Or the Torah says that there is. There's the Mayim, Hashem split between the Mayim, the Mayim, and the Mayim. Okay, they don't know where it is. 
Because if it's Rebbe, we, 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 we don't know where Shemayim is either. So whatever level Shemayim is, the above it is Mayim Yadi. Um, I got just on that point. So is, is Shemayim existing in a physical plane, like the planets? Are... Even if Shemayim exists in a physical plane, I just discovered recently that there actually is water in Shemayim. Contrary to what scientists always claimed, when they discovered like the, the rings of Saturn, it's actually ice. It's gases and ice, which means there's a tremendous amount of water just because it's so far from the sun, it's frozen. Yes, yeah, so they actually proven that there is water in Shemayim. Contrary to always believed, but that's not the point right now. All he's saying is we don't have to explain how it got there. When you're talking about Hashem creating, Hashem creates the way He wants to create. And then if that's the case, then for sure, if you're going to talk about things which aren't physical, and then science for sure can't explain, once again, we don't have a question. If Hashem creates, Hashem creates that too. So give us the example of the Shadim, Asher Yaskir Rabbi Seinu, which are non, not completely physical entities. Vasipurim HaMakavim, when Yemaisa Mashiach, Atkiyas HaMaisa, Yemaisa similarly, our expectation, which is part of our Emunah, and that is that there's going to be Tchiyas Amesim and there's Laila Baba. And uh, that's something which, once again, works against any, any scientific observation of the world. Things live and die, they don't come back to life again. So the idea of Tchiyas Amesim uh, doesn't follow the rules of science. But we're not bound by that. We're not bound by that. We don't have to, what we, we don't need to prove the idea that the nefesh exists even after the body ends, even after the person dies. And therefore, we have, we, if we're ready at this stage, we understand Hashem creates, then Hashem will create the, that, that concept of the future as well. Now, this is an interesting point, because this is something which the Gazari basically on, just it deals with the question of how can we explain a system of Tresamesim, of Olamaba, which means life eternally, but we don't see that in this world. And the Gazari detects the question, he just says, if we say Hashem created, then Hashem will create something different. He created that too. When they ask the Rambam this question in the Shabbat of the Rambam, the Rambam gives a very, very interesting answer. The Rambam says, where do you, and they ask us the same thing, where do you see a Messias of Tchisa Mesa, something which doesn't exist in the world? The Gemara asked the question. Sorry? Doesn't the Gemara ask the question and says that there's an Achor and a Sherut? The Gemara says, yes, you've got to recreate. But uh, maybe it's something that had a time of the Gemara. Can you know the Rambam didn't have that? The Rambam says a different person. A very interesting insight. The Rambam says that it's very simple. People go to sleep every night and they wake up in the morning. And when a person's asleep, there's a state of, he's not, he's not consciously in his body. He's not aware of what's going on around him. So it, it's uh, the mindset. And to some extent, he's no longer aware of his surroundings, he's no longer in a conscious state. And when he wakes up in the morning, and he comes back to that awareness and that being able to see and hear and, and interact with the world around him. And Ram says, so you must understand, the idea of Tchilis is just the same thing on a, on a bigger level. There's a stage when a person's no longer, is not alive, so he's not consciously interacting with the world. And then he'll come back, just like a person wakes up in the morning. Which is a very interesting comparison. Now, it's not going to satisfy a scientist because they're going to tell you that, when, of course, if you're talking physically, when a person's asleep, he's still breathing, his heart's still beating, he's still everything, all the functions of his body are working, even if he's not aware of it consciously. And when a person dies, and all those things stop. But that wasn't what Dharma was trying to answer. Dharma was trying to answer was to see the idea of a person who can be in a state of 
connection of awareness when his mind is active and he knows what's going on and his body in a state where a person is not aware of what's happening with him and if he loses that conscious awareness he can get it back again doesn't the say that sleep is one sixth of death right so that's just the in, in a mashup of the principle which will be Tresemesim by the way if the Gemara says one sixtieth why do the Gemara always use that Lashem? one sixtieth well, where do you get that with that why Dafka 60th? The are very nice. And so the Gemahalacha is that something which is bottled into 60 is not in the felt at all. So if I have a drop of milk which falls into 60 times meat, it's, it's completely disappeared completely. There's no connection. So you can't taste it. But if it's 1 in 60, it's still tasteable. Very, very slightly. There's still a connection. You can still taste it. And then. Sorry? Why is guy from Mutter in the 60th? Not Mutter, right? It's, 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 it's less, it's an eighth of an eighth. But, uh, yeah. But, uh, so therefore they say, with those things, the Gemara says, it's Echad Mishishim, it means they can still taste it. There's the mashroom which a person can still feel the connection to, to Miso or to whoever it is that the Gemara is referring to. Now, guy is not the idea of tasting it, it's not like it's a connection to it. Um, why Dafk is an eighth of eighth, you explain what, 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 what do you mean by an eighth? Why it's an eighth of that? It's, it's, uh, the same thing applies in Bittu. 60 isn't uh, 1 into 10, which is 1 into 6. It has to be all the same time. Although it doesn't get bottled. Exactly not. But uh, so here it's 1 eighth of 1 eighth. It's not like it's in Bittu 64. It's two separate things. Um, okay, either way around, the, the Kazari says, we don't have any questions. Why? For the same reason. If you're trying to try and use the physical world or our knowledge of it to try and explain such things doesn't make any sense. There's no connection between them. But uh, as he says, if we're going to try and the dark which means logic which people can understand, to try and understand things which aren't physical, uh, whether it's, then it's not going to work. Then then we'll come out is um, life will end without any other purpose. We'll just see life as a physical process which lasts a certain amount of time and ends, and there's nothing beyond that. Which again, Aga, is what the scientists believe, is what the philosophers believe as well. If you're only seeing life as a physical process, then there isn't anything after that. We haven't ever accepted anything besides for that a person is a physical being who can live as long as he lives and act and do things in the, in the course of his lifetime, and then it's over. The whole idea of accepting that there's something non-physical which continues to live, Asharas Anefesh, what he calls, that a person's uh, nefesh can survive death is altogether based on the concept that we are accepting that Hashem created a physical, a spiritual side of a person. Without that, then it ends. There isn't anything more than that. And then, so ma'ayin lana bira ma'asha hevi'un ba'nefesh etzim sikhti la'yivul makam la'tasigayu ha'goya rehafsed. And therefore, the concept of nefesh, which is something non-physical, which isn't defined by, by by time or by space. It's not something which can be destroyed, whatever it is, and that's something which can't be explained in a physical sense. Again, physical things are always bounded by time and space. Something which isn't bound by time and space, obviously, is, is not something which a physical framework can deal with. But now he says another a very interesting argument, and then he says like this: He says, if a person was a product of a certain mixture of uh, whatever the base elements are which create a person, then every person will be the same. Okay? Given that there could be small variations, 
for every person's bantam created the same way. Physically. Physically. And that would be the, all that there is to a person. So now, that's his argument. So then the average think the same way too. If you create if you create the same engine in every car, every car will work the same. If you create the same system in every computer, they're all going to work the same way. And if that's the case, if you if, if the, the you, you're leaving the creation of the human being to just the physical process where you have whatever the factors are which integrate the person, then they should all think the same way. We haven't, in other words, animals that way. I don't know how animals think, but we would assume that they all react similarly to whatever instincts, whatever it is, impulses that uh, that are going to trigger something by them. And if that's the case, he says, if, if that would be the case, that people are all the product of the same system, then what's going to, what makes me recognizable is different to you. What's anything else which is a cause for a person's difference? Philosophers, why would they be the same? Aristotle, or any other people you want, everyone should be the same. Everyone's mind should work the same way. Everyone should know what everyone else is thinking. It's the same system. And therefore, if a person doesn't think the same way as anyone else, it must be that there's a person, there's a part of the person's mind which isn't just the product of a physical system. And it's something interesting to think about because. But people, lots of, lots of, a lot of the parts of a person's body do work the same. It's the same system and everyone's heart beats the same way, and everyone's lungs work the same way, and everybody's liver or kidneys or any other organ you want in the body works the same way. So much so that you can do transplants. You can move a person's heart into somebody else and it will work the same way it worked before and it will be perfect. You can move a kidney into someone else's body or whatever, and it will work just like when it's working for the and it will work for the other person too. So anything which is going to do with the body, a taki is like that. It works the same way. And the same applies to a person's eyes, or a person's, a person's ability to talk, or his teeth, or his digestion, or anything else you want. The one area where it doesn't apply is to a person's thoughts and feelings. Then it's not the same for everybody. Then it's not the same for everybody. And that's a sign that that part of the person isn't, uh, isn't run by the physical body. Because otherwise, the physical body, it's the same model which works for everyone. The, the Chiddush is that there's something different, which is the spiritual part of a person, which isn't the same. And therefore, what a person feels, what a person thinks, what a person understands, how a person understands, is all linked to the spiritual part of him, then it's like not the same for everyone. Then it's like unique. But you can only say that, you can only say that if you first accept the fact that there's something non-physical about the person, which is going to give them the uniqueness. Otherwise, you don't see that. Now, the biggest Chiddush, and the Gemara says that it's a double Pashat, it's something which you take for granted, but it's a very big Chiddush. And that is that the fact that the person is different in the way that they think. But the Gemara says they are the same shyness, that their mind is different, and the way they think is different, each person is different to somebody else, is, ref, is reflected on the face, and their face. That everyone's face looks different. And there's no reason for that. The face of a person is part of the physical body of the person. So the fact that Hashem created everyone differently is really a question. It's really a question. Uh, not every other part of the person's body is the same. We, we know exactly every other organ in the body works, and it's the same by everybody. And Dafka, when it comes to a person's features, then Hashem makes it different for each person. It's a physical part of the person, so where he looks, why did Hashem do that? So the Gemara gives reasons that people should mix each other up, or whatever the case might be. But when the mission says reason of the same, which means a person's uniqueness in the way he thinks, 
um, is reflected on his face, that's a separate Chibur Hashem created. That even though you're talking about the physical body, but there's a connection point between the physical body and the spiritual side of the person, his Ruach, which is in the face, and then the, the face is now formed to reflect the Ruach, and therefore the one looks the same. Does that Mara also say that what you need about the Shvarakus that is takes one Matveya and he and he's right. mixed with many different colors right. with the same stem with the same yeah. stem is that if every Matveya comes exactly the same so in Sarakarakainu that from one so to speak prototype he creates an endless variety of different of different people different features of people but then again that's all working with the fact that you understand there's a Bairag if you cannot work with that, then there's no explanation for that. There's no explanation for it. And again, let's not address the philosophers, because we don't know what they would say. Let's address this to science, so to today's doctors. And you would ask, if you ask them, like, we understand that we have every part of the body which is exactly the same by everybody. And when it comes to the facial features and the structure of the Hashem created the face, everyone's different. Like, what, what tr- changes that stuff in the DNA? of creating the features of a person, something changes for every person. When it comes to the rest of their body, we learn that their arms are different, their legs are different, everything else is exactly the same. So why, why Dafka is there this, so to speak, something which changes in the DNA, Dafka when it comes to the face? It shouldn't be like that. By rights, it should be either a mother of the father, mother of the mother. That's him. The DNA is from the two parents. So it's like every other part of the body, it's either the one or the other one. So over here also, whichever one is going to be the dominant uh, chromosomes, let's say, which are going to shape the face, so the child is exactly like the parent of it. And, and why is it not like that? So, I don't, think, I don't think science can answer that. But this goes back to, we don't have a question. Because once we have the, the understanding that the body did it specifically, that people shouldn't look the same, we should look different. So then immediately, we aren't surprised by the, way, the fact that that's the result. Similarly, how come people don't understand things straight away and it takes them time to understand something? What changed? The first time around, I didn't understand it, so how can I think about it again? I'll understand it more. What's the change? How do people forget what they knew? Why does have to try and think through something to know what to do? And the question all those points is, in other areas, which is also fascinating, people don't often forget. You know, something to do with the sense is much better remembered. For example, uh, a person could have not smelled a certain kind of smell for many years, but soon as they smell, they recognize it. It triggers the memory of what it is, and now it's not. A person could have not seen a place for so many years. When they see that place, they go, of course, and then straight away, that's, that's, that's the Grand Canyon, that's the coastal, that's whatever you want to call it. People don't forget that. It gets imprinted somewhere. And whereas when a person thinks about information, that's much easier to forget. Turn in, whatever the information is going to be. Why? Because anything which has got to do with the person's diet isn't, isn't just the physical uh, part of the body. And there's something beyond that which is at work, which is involved. And that in way that has a different, uh, a different kayak, which uh, has, has its own nature. And therefore, the Kazari proves um, that the, the acceptance that Hashem is the Bairid, which is only proved what the rise of that, but the saying, the king asked him that the system of philosophy explains more than the Torah does. Because the Torah just Hashem created, 
So the Khazari answers him in the first step, we'll see the continuation next time, but the Khazari answers him is that the other way around. Without the Torah, you can't answer anything. It's all very nice to say, yes, there was a development of one stage to the next, and things evolved or transformed from one stage to the stage. It all makes no sense. You can't explain that. If the only way you can explain things like that is if you're going to say that there's a barrier, and then you may it takes away the question.